0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. When I first came to this church, I was a broken man. Every dimension of my life, it seemed, had descended into chaos. I was filled with deep sorrow and inconsolable grief that constantly swallowed the light of even clearly good things unsure of what to think or believe unsure of whom to trust not at all confident that i would even continue as a christian angry wounded skeptical weary and despairing I found myself on the threshold of leaving the faith that I had followed with all my heart since my childhood. I was a workaholic, desperately trying to use busyness to placate the yawning desolation that I saw within myself. I was at an utter end of my ability to drum up some sort of positive religiosity, some happy christian feelings that were supposed to remind me that god was real and that somehow in the midst of all that pain that he still loved me god himself had begun to seem like an abstract idea and an implausible one considering the more immediate and pressing experiences of heartache i decided to give church one final try before saying goodbye At that precarious place, it was no grand gesture, but a small kindness, a small faithfulness on the part of a dear friend, my good friend Rebecca Fort. She said that she was sorry I was hurting, said that I should try coming to this church that she loved. She said that it might be a place where I could find some rest for my soul. The first months of being here, I sat in that back pew, the very back, desperately trying to avoid being known. But it didn't work. Before long, I'd met Rebecca's parents, Deacon Tim and Karen Schmidt. I'd met Lisa Marion, who always made sure that I knew someone remembered who I was and knew my name. I'd met then-Deacon Blake and Father Scarlett weeks turned into years, and slowly, quietly, I began to change because of this place. I met God here every week. I knew it because at the time it was the only place where the chaos in my soul was still and made quiet. Weeks turned into months and years. There was no sudden epiphany to any of it, no grand and final overturning of the darkness, but it was in slow, steady, faithful ministry that this place extended to me and into which it invited me that brought me again from death to life and then to a life that was shaped by hope once more. Standing here now, I can say that whatever can be called good in me has been a gift of God in this place to the chiefest of sinners whose personal darkness, by all accounts, should have swallowed him alive. But that gift of new life was no general abstract thing. It had a shape. And the shape of grace was this church and this people and specifically our bishop. There's a sort of shock that naturally arises when we state it so simply. But there's been much time to think about it. It's here, here in this room, my greatest sorrows met the peace of God. My broken heart began to mend, and I continued to become slowly a man who was shaped by community-shaped grace in a liturgy-shaped worship. I owe a debt to this church and to all of you who worked and prayed and gave to make it a place where I could again find God and hope and a people. To all of you who did your part with faithfulness, know this, you saved my life and I am so grateful for you. I'm mindful this morning that there are many who did not know this part of my story. Some of us have worshiped and prayed and served together for years without knowing all the bends and turns in the paths along which our Father in Heaven has brought us. What's more, I know that there are many, many more stories in this place right now of change and healing and growth. This place has been a house of God for many years. And the simple life of prayer, that is the constant heartbeat of this place, is what has made it so. And God has blessed us through this place. But this is how God acts. He meets us in the grand things for sure, but also here in the small things. The smile of a fellow parishioner, the way the light It's the altar in certain seasons, a sentence or two from a sermon that changed how we came to know God. The list goes on, and all of them have been graces to us. The question we're left with in light of such grace is how do we respond to the graces we've received? The answer is gratitude, It was G.K. Chesterton who said that thanks are the highest form of thought, that gratitude is happiness doubled by wonder. It's one thing to experience a gift, but that experience is not complete until it culminates in the only participation that is proper for a gift receiver, not a repayment because that makes the whole matter a transaction and not a gift instead it must be gratitude our thanks must never become a means of trying to fulfill a debt because gifting does not operate in terms of debt and restitution but rather out of givenness and delight thanks is not a bill or a tax or a contribution thanks that arise from gratitude perpetuate joy, the joy of gifts given by delighting in the gift and the giver and in the givenness of the giving. It is happiness experienced and reflected and then magnified. This is the culmination of all Christian disciplines, to live a life of gratitude. God, the giver of all good gifts, gives not out of any need that other than that he delights to give and we participate in him as giver when we reflectively offer thanks to him we then extend this delight through the honor of imitation by giving to one another in the freedom of gifting all that we do as christians comes down to this to delight in god's gracious gifts and to go and do likewise. Lives of gratitude acknowledge all of life as a gift from God. Lives of gratitude seek out ways to give life to others. This will ultimately be the way of things in the kingdom of heaven. When all scarcity and mortality and deficiency are done away, all that will remain is this grace of gift and gratitude. By practicing this life now, we grow more and more fit for lives in the kingdom to which we are destined. We are formed in this life in the church through our participation in Eucharist. We acknowledge the gifts of God to support our lives, the produce of the earth, the goods of grain and grapes, and the creativity to make it into something like bread and wine. In our acknowledgement, we offer these gifts back to God with thanksgiving, magnifying Him as the giver through our grateful participation in the giving. But then God gives back again in greater measure by giving us in that bread and wine that we offered the body and blood of His Son to sustain us to everlasting life. In short, gift and gratitude engender by God's grace an ever-intensifying experience of grace in our lives by which and through which we are transformed more and more into the children of God and citizens of Christ's kingdom. The church is thus a training ground and a home that homes and nurtures the lives that have been opened to us by the good will of God and that we will live out forever in his kingdom. For this reason, giving in the context of the church is not the same activity as giving to charity or to a nonprofit. We do not give to the church because of a desire to do good in the world. We give to the church because it is putting on a life of gratitude. We give time because that is the temporal dimension of a life of gratitude. We give service because it is the practical dimension of a life of gratitude. And yes, we give money, because it is the financial dimension of a life of gratitude. Giving that steps out of a life of gratitude is sub-Christian, because it misses out on the grace of gratitude. We give time, talent, treasure, because doing so orders us more completely as what we are, children of God and servants of the King. And so we must tithe. We do not experience grace in a spaceless way, but rather in place and time and among a people. It's then fitting that our gracious response to participation with grace should follow suit in place and time and among a people our work and prayer and giving is this participation our tithe is the financial dimension of our self-gift as such if this is the place in which we have known and been cultivated in the christian life the place in which grace has met us in time and place and among a people, then our gratitude is to be cultivated here and now and together. If this is not our place and time and people, then we need to seek out and find them and start giving. Because a lack of grateful self-giving in all dimensions of our life is a peril to the health of our souls giving as a discipline to the end of growing in gratitude is nothing less than growth in the arch virtue of christian living it is paramount and necessary for the health and growth of saints we must give not as repayment for services rendered but as participation in a common life of gratitude that is incarnated in the parish and that I and so many of us have known in this parish and that is ultimately that good heir of the eternal kingdom of Christ, our home and our peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, amen.